The transition to parenthood is a life-changing experience with significant physical and psychological adjustments for the entire family. Many parents experience mood changes and feel overwhelmed during pregnancy and or after the birth of their child. When these symptoms do not resolve on their own, worsen in severity, and begin to affect a person's quality of life, they may be experiencing a perinatal mental health disorder. And while the term postpartum depression has been used in the past, perinatal mental health conditions are actually a spectrum of experiences that can affect individuals during pregnancy and or postpartum, including postpartum depression, as well as a variety of other conditions. Birthing individuals are not to blame or at fault for experiencing a perinatal mental health condition. It's not brought on by anything a person has or has not done. Perinatal mental health disorders occur in people of every culture, age, income level, and ethnicity. Treating perinatal mental health conditions may help prevent long-term and adverse effects for parents, children, and families. Dr. Alyssa Berlin is a clinical psychologist specializing in pregnancy, postpartum, and parenting. She combines her psychological background and her doula training to help women and their partners feel empowered and comfortable in the labor and delivery process, both on a physical and emotional level. Dr. Berlin has specific expertise addressing fear and anxiety that may arise before, during, or after birth. All people who identify with pregnancy and parenting can be affected by mental health conditions during the perinatal period, regardless of gender, sex, or sexual orientation which is why a story such as this one is so important to tell. So from Fragile Moments and Not Today Media, I'm your host, JD, and this is story number five of the What's Your Story podcast, Dr. Berlin. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's not often, it's funny as a psychologist, right? I'm so used to listening to other people's stories. It's not often that I'm asked my story. Um, <laughs> I was, you know, thinking about, oh isn't that interesting? <laughs> want to know. It, it, it's always the biggest compliment to me when a client says, gosh, I wish we could just go sit and have coffee. Like, I just want to spend more time with you. Uh, always warms my heart. So I'll start there. It all began when Dr. Alyssa Berlin met her future husband. They had a vision and a dream to open a holistic wellness center together. Jokingly, they chose the name A Shrink and a Quack, and they set out on their graduate school journey in Atlanta, Georgia, to bring their idea to life. After completing her internship in Lincoln, Nebraska, they moved to Los Angeles for her postdoctoral training. And about 10 months later, they became parents for the first time and welcomed their first son to the family. Being relatively new transplants in LA, they didn't have much support in the way of family or community. They personally had a need for help during the transition to parenthood, and it opened her eyes. It highlighted that a birth and postpartum community is greatly needed for supporting during the postpartum period. You see, we do a lot to prepare for birth and the gear we will need afterward, but there were few resources at the time and still today aimed toward the transition to parenthood. After all, the assumption is that there's no parenting manual. You just have to jump in and go with it. But that's not true. I'm, I'm a psychologist, and I have been practicing for close to 20 years now. Wow. It's wild. You know, I think I have four kids, all in a very different phase of life than your kiddos right now. 
So my youngest just had his bar mitzvah. So they ranged oh, so, 13, yeah. 15, 17, and 19. The whole other end of the spectrum. The whole yeah. other end. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting because something that you may have noticed already yourself is that as soon as those kiddos join the mix, everything gets reoriented around them. Yep. Right? So as yeah. I was thinking about how long I've been practicing, I was like, well, my oldest was one or two when I was studying for my licensing exam, and he's 19. So, yeah, okay, close to 20. There you go. Yeah. Oof. And, you know, I think my story in a lot of ways is very traditional in how I got into the perinatal world, which is I started having kids. And, you know, my husband and I, we get to work together. Nice. He's a prenatal chiropractor, so we have a holistic wellness center together. Both transplants from the East Coast migrated more and more west as we did graduate school and internships and things like that, which is such a fun adventure at the beginning. But then you start having kids and you say, gosh, I'm on my own here. What am I doing right? <laughs> Seriously, right? We didn't have the family circle or bubble of help, which, you know, double-edged, but we didn't yeah. have any of that to even draw on. And it was really that that said, you know, that sent me into that path of like, there's got to be more to support families. Yeah. You know, we're not, we're not the novelty in such a transient society anymore. And so it's like, everyone's like, well, the village is gone. I'm like, the village isn't gone. It's just, you know, yeah. you know, so, so it was really when we had our, our kids that I started going into perinatal psychology and how to help people with the transition to parenthood. Yeah. And that became my focus clinically. Um, you can't unfortunately spend time in this field, in this area, without recognizing that a lot of trauma comes up for people when they have kids. Sure, sure. And so I went back for, you know, different a number of different specialties in trauma work as well, which informs the work that I do. Yeah. You know, but I have, so work as a psychologist, have four kids, have two fur babies. The kids can noodle us into a second fur baby this year. A whole other story. Clever, right? Clever. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then, yeah, and then I launched a cookbook this year. That was definitely the baby of 2023 of, of publishing a cookbook. And those are some of, you know, I, I love horseback riding. I love hiking and being outdoors. I had the, the, I had the wonderful opportunity of homeschooling my kids for a few years. So we wanted to do something different. You know, yeah. my oldest and in, in private Jewish schools, when the boys get to a certain age, they often will throw a Sunday school program into the mix. Yeah. And I was like, nope, you can't have them. I'm like, enough, too much school. And we pulled them and we homeschooled them for two years. And that was really where we discovered a lot of those hobbies and just doing activities together. Yeah. You know, like horseback riding and, and cooking and hiking and things like that. So those are some of the fun things about me. And did the, did the cookbook stem from that or has that always kind of been one of your like other passions? It's just kind of like bloomed into it. You know, it's so funny because so when Elliot and I were in graduate school and we did grad school out in Atlanta, you know, it was always like our fun activity. So school was so cerebral and then the kitchen was my fun creative place. Sure, yeah. And he and I would take classes together and we would do cake decorating and sushi making and all of these different things. And it was how we prioritize dates while yeah. he and I were both in rigorous programs and it always felt like a separate like you know kind of like track in my mind like I'm a psychologist yeah. by day but like this was the other piece of it <laughs> and then the more and more I delved into you know writing the cookbook and creating it the more I realized how much synergy there really is with both sides of me right yeah. like how did those come together 
And it was cool because the more I spent time in that path, the more I discovered that there's a whole beautiful art form called culinary therapy. Yeah. Um, where people don't realize that the kitchen, we know the kitchen is often the hub of the household. Yeah. You don't realize that the kitchen's also a great place for teaching and yeah. bonding and practicing different, you know, great life skills like organization and time management. Yeah. And so it was a lovely merging of more of that clinical side and that creative side into this I very much better, yeah. project. Yeah. yeah. And you can see, I mean, just, I mean, so looking at our own kids and just, you know, Montessori philosophy altogether, that's those, you, you use a very key term there, those life skills. And that's the focus. And for what you just said, that there's so much that you can learn in just the basics. And, you know, we have, like I said, I mean, we have a two-year-old and for a long time, like he's had a little help tower that puts him, you know, high enough and it's increasing levels of like what he, what he's capable of doing, like us, you know, allowing for him to do. And, and then on top of that, like his own independence to the point that you've got his own little knife and he wants, he wants to cut the, the cantaloupe thing out. But you mm-hmm. can see that, you know, and it blossoms into he's pouring his own syrup, you know, it, it, that when you just said that, like, we're looking at it as maybe as parents, and you know, you can chime in and correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, that that's a messy area and I don't want to do this and I don't want to, you got to don't touch that. And, you know, but if you just stop for a second, I mean, how calming is that, you know, like, a, you know, just an activity just to be in there and, and have them at such an, a young age to be part of what should be like a moment of like family and gathering and not just a chore to like, oh yeah, I got to put food on the table, right? For sure. You know, if we think about like the buzzwords of like today's generation, if you will, it's grounding and mindfulness. Well, the kitchen is a bevy of that. Yeah. Meditative vibe of washing dishes in warm, you know, in warm water or like you said, and everyone's into the cool, you know, the cool sounds and like the cool, you know, sounds that like, you know, chopping celery meat. (laughs) Um, And, and yeah, I mean, we, we are very much in line, you know, We've had kids in the kitchen from the very beginning. I don't think there's a food network game that we haven't created or redone in our kitchen. And like you said, always with the fun, you know, making the mess and just exploring and messes just exploring. up our yeah. life. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's and it's amazing. My now 13 year old, when he was 10, actually combined kind of you know parts of me and my husband, and he started a food podcast. That was born oh, out, that, yeah. <laughs> out of my husband has a podcast, right? Informed Pregnancy has been his baby. And he's like, that's cool. And he's been in the kitchen with me and loves to cook and eat and, you know, be my little taster. And he's like, well, I really like that. Yeah. And it was amazing. Do it. Do it. Exactly. Amazing, right? I mean, you, it, it's allowing that exploration, it, you know, alleviates so much of pressure that's on a kid. Uh, you know, at any age. And then if you really like let yourself do it, you're the parent as well. That it's like, huh, it's just avocado on the floor. It cleans up, you know, like it's, it's not like a, a compassion control. Right? And if you can just allow yourself that moment, all opens up. Okay. So go back then to when, you know, as you began, to, you know, to see that this is like the area of expertise, you know, career wise, you want to do. What what moments or or moments you know kind of inform that? It's like okay, there's a there's a real conversation that needs to be, you know, perinatal psychology and just you know the whole conversation from 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 day one, you know, conception on down to you know 
how parents are and what that relates to a, a, a child's mental health as well. Totally. And, and JD, if it's okay, before we even jump there, I just want to throw in like, you know, when you have little kids, right, I'm already on the other side, but when you have little kids, like, the fear of the mess is real, right? Like, in oh, those yeah. early postpartum days, when there's so much to do, and the thought of avocado <laughs> on the floor is like, me over the edge. I want to, you know, again, I want to identify, like, we get that, that's right. Yeah. And so for people who, let's say, have either a family member who's going to come help, or maybe you have some housekeeping help coming in, you yeah. can also choose those days wisely. Like, it doesn't have to be an every day, but if you right, don't right, right. the help, let that be the morning that you have the big mess. Yeah. So you can also kind of leave with your child, right? Or right. assuming you can't bring them into the cleanup kind of thing. So I want to make sure that we're talking about, you know, <laughs> mamas who are like, no, no avocado on the floor. I can't no, it's okay. It's okay. And that, that is, that's okay. And, you know, yeah. finding those moments is important. Because it does translate. I mean, I very quickly, like, saw that, you know, with our son and I'm soon to be a year old adult. With him, it, it's very evident, you know, very early on, like if you, what you want him to clean up from it eventually, but it's like, you can see them pick up on even little things like that. Like it, you know, you kind of pause and you're like, oh, I should have made a big deal about that. It's just a tiny little mess. Why don't, you know, like it, it gives you a moment to learn too, if you really just let it, but then you don't want, in the end, you don't want them to be that picky about something. They're, you know, really that young, like. You have to let go if you want them to let go and learn that lesson to just, you know, just be right? enjoy. That's right. And, and for people to know that that is definitely the goal and to know that it's a journey and it takes time. Absolutely. Right? And that, you know, once we're jumping in and then I promise we'll go back. But if we think about attachment, right? Attachment, so we bond with our kids and our kids attach to us. This podcast is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is something that should be taken seriously. And while this may be another sponsored ad, my relationship with BetterHelp is personal because for the past year, I've been using BetterHelp to gain my own mental clarity. I can sit here all day and tell you to seek help, but the truth is, we're in this together. In the end, without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is, therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? Well, it's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or simply not dealing with stress very well. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed or scared of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Join the millions of people, myself included, who are seeing what online therapy is really about. This, it's always a good time to invest in yourself because you're your greatest asset. As a special offer to listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. That's betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. And remember, just because you need help doesn't mean you're not worth helping. Anxiety would have us believe that because we have never been through a specific situation, we have no tools to bring to the table, i.e. we've never been through a pandemic, for instance. So how can we possibly know how to cope? Reality is that all the tools that 
have worked for us in the past in a multitude of situations where we needed to adapt will work here too. The same is true with postpartum. You may never have had a baby before, but it doesn't mean you don't have any skills or tools to bring to the table, because you do. Dr. Alyssa Berlin's job is to remind you of the tools that you already possess while adding some new ones to the mix, thereby facilitating a smooth and happy adjustment to life with a baby. I want parents to know in those moments that perhaps we're not as calm as we want, attachment is never about being perfect. It's always about catching and repairing. So if you have that moment where you're like, oh, I shouldn't have made such a big deal, that's okay. Comment on that. Notice that. Talk to your child about that. Hug it out, right? Repair that moment. And then we keep going. And then hopefully, like you said, you know, over time, we're able to, and really, I think the key is slow down, right? So that these things can right, be right. moments. It's really hard. I mean, we're working at such a mock speed on so many different levels that, you know, if we can try to tap into our child, right? Our child is so in the moment. They are the perfect pictures right. of just like, I'm just here with you. I'm not doing time, right? And so they can, like you said, teach us as much as we're yeah. learning them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're, they're they're so special and amazing. I mean, I know we romanticize the baby stages, and they're wonderful. They're so yummy and cozy. But every stage is just incredible. It's sometimes it takes a little bit more to find that. You know, like you you got to weed through some of those 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 challenging moments and and realize they don't know the world like you do, and they don't know how to express it or feel it. And this is it, you know. So rather than be upset about it, like pause. What are they saying? And then it's like, oh, it really is a fun moment in here. He's screaming and crying, but this is a good moment, actually. You know, <laughs> a good moment and a wonderful moment to regulate yeah. that nervous system and know that yep. he's not going to shove it in like you know us adults right. do. And so when he comes out on the other side, it's really going to be. <laughs> Done, right? Nothing. Yeah. No, he has no clue. Like you're still talking about it. Like, wait a minute, hold on. Oh what? yeah. You're talking about baseball. All of a sudden, you were just. I don't. Know. You're right. Yeah. You're right. I should stop too. Totally. Totally. <laughs> we need to figure out how to catch up. Totally. Yeah. But you know, I think that the thing that really informed for me moving into this space was I had heard. I think I experienced with my oldest, but you know, you hear so many people say, "There's no manual." right? There's no yeah. manual for parenting. There's no manual for postpartum. So you just have to jump in and kind of like hope for the best. And that's crazy. We don't live really in a jump in world in 2023. Yeah. We plan the minutia of our day. I mean, we yeah. plan for planting. Yet, you know, and, and pregnancy is no different. We plan every yeah. part of our pregnancy. We've got the giant journal of when we're going to do what. We've got, you know, the your list of how we're going to, yeah. you know, what we're going to buy and how we're going to set up the nursery. <laughs> And somehow we have baby and then it's like, ah, what? Well, got done, done. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, nope, not having it. So I actually created a manual or yeah. I created a workshop because I'm like, that's ridiculous. You know, postpartum or perinatal depression is probably the number one complication in childbirth. Sure. And the, what, what's partly so devastating is that there's so much of it that's preventable. Not everything, not always, but there's yeah. a lot we can do to prevent or at least sense. mitigate if we talk about it yeah. and if we plan and prepare. And so the afterbirth plan is a workshop that I had created to really, like you said, have that conversation. Plus, let's talk about what happens after we have a baby. You know, Instagram is wonderful about telling you all about those picture perfect moments, but like, 
when the camera stops and the mess does hit. It's not bad. <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing. When we go into something with a certain expectation or vision and it doesn't live up to that, all of a sudden we feel like we were sold this false bill of goods. And yeah. I'll hear people say like, it's not what I signed on for. It's not what I thought it was going to be. And that to me is so devastating because yeah. I want you to know what's going to happen. And they're going to be incredible moments. And they're going to be hard moments, but hard, meaningful moments, right? That if we can navigate how to work them through, really help us in our development as parents, help us in our bonding and connection with our babies, and help create and cultivate a wonderful environment for them to grow and develop and flourish. And so hard doesn't have to be bad, but we judge it. We do. Why do you think that is, though, like a conversation like, I mean, even like, you know, during pregnancy or, you know, like to it, like you, you kind of like, you know, you're the best. And I'm now as a parent, I, I just laugh at the stories. And I was like, well, you're probably not getting any sleep. Like, oh, this must be challenging. Like, it is if you want it to be, but I'm not staying up till midnight watching Netflix when my kid goes down. Like, I know that if I want to get sleep, now's the time. You know, so it's like all those things that we talk about and like kind of like laugh off. And like you said, like you see the pretty picture or the pretty moment or read the, the hard uncle that's like, you know, this is how it's going to be. Just do this and do this and it'll be roses. And it's not you, like, you know, you, you are, you're immediately upset and immediately like, oh, I'm a terrible dad. I'm a terrible mom. Like this is, this is awful parenting, like all those things. But why, why do you feel it? It's not a conversation that a, like nobody wants to have, like to let you know, like just flat out that. Yeah, it is challenging. It's going to be hard. You know, why do you think that is in this society? And I think you hit on it first and foremost when you said, you know, when you talked about the desire to be the perfect dad, I think that for a lot of people, this is a part of life where they just want to, you know, succeed. And yeah. anything that seems to deviate from good or easy or normal somehow feels like I failed or I'm not doing it as well, right? I also think that there, we really need to create somewhat of a cognitive shift because we live in a world so often where it's this or that. And so that leaves you with these polarities and either I'm not getting sleep and I'm struggling or there could be a good moment. And so I often work with clients to be able to shift it, right? Because little in life is this or most things are this and, right? Right. Sleep will change. There's no denying that. Yeah. Right. So we want to also reframe how we think about sleep. And maybe we're thinking about sleep, not like I have my day and then can I get my eight hours at night? And now I'm thinking like over a 24 hour period, can I get the sleep that I need to feel like I'm, I'm able to function? Right. So sleep changes. Yeah. Uh, and there are going to be awesome, sweet moments. We are right. all here women and, you know, parents sometimes talk about, yeah, it's hard to wake up at night. And there are these really cozy moments where it feels like it's just me and the baby and yeah. we we're the only ones in this world and it's just sweet and yummy, you know? And so there is the potential for both. Yeah, some that's a, that that could be a hard moment. It could feel lonely and isolating, right? But there's potential for both. both. Something can be hard, and it can be beautiful. Yeah. The other thing that I think is really hard for people is change is one of those things that we like to pay lip service to. Sure, I believe in change. You <laughs> change is good. Believe in it as a concept. Yeah, absolutely, right it outside of us who oh, you wanted me to do? oh i don't know about that no no right <laughs> <laughs> it's long i know how it will look yeah 
that that baby that baby needs to go to sleep. I've got to do this. Like they can change. And so that also becomes, I think, one of the harder parts because you're now finding yourself in a situation where it's unavoidable. Change is going to happen. There's a new person in this family who has very different needs and wants. And, you know, it's hard because of like we were talking about, you know, in terms of people's, you know, perspective on change. And then the other part is for a lot of people, the contrast is so stark because, you know, you go from a life where you know exactly what's expected of you. I show up at my job. I know what to do. I know what the tasks are. And there really is a pretty stark learning curve of like now so much is new all at the same time, right? And again, if I haven't done anything to prep or prepare and if I haven't had experience with kids, I don't even know what the swaddle thing is that people keep talking about, but I'm supposed to do it, right? Or, or not do it. Or wait, or wait a minute. I, one said yes. This one said no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I do, I think a lot of these things kind of feed into why it is the storm that it is. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, like I said, I mean, we, I saw at least like quickly and thankfully, you know, wife and I, I'd say like, we just like emotionally strong, but strong enough to realize like, okay, like I'm way too upset about the fact that, you know, he's not paying attention at, you know, dinner, like he's having a hard time, like. You know, like, think, like you, you can see that, but I also like quickly am also, I put myself in other people's shoes and I'm like, man, like if, if I weren't me and like, don't have a, an awareness, not even like a, a, a control or a management over that, that thought and that feeling, you know, like, how does that person, how do they deal with that? You know, and then what are they looking up and how do they, you know, it's like feeding all that in. I can remember when our son was born. At a very great hospital and great, you know, medical system here in, in, in Durham. And actually, we were both born in two different hospitals of like high caliber here in, in Durham, Chapel Hill area. We'll let people figure that one out. But <laughs> two set, you know, two, two great hospitals, one private, one public, two, you know, well known. They had the same conversation exiting that it was like, here's our little piece of paper so that we can tell you that we, that we can say that we asked you if you were okay. But I don't remember doing it with our, our, our daughter, but, and maybe it's just because it was like, you know, we've like seen this kind of thing before, but I can at least remember with our son that I was filling it out for my wife as she was doing something else, maybe feeding him or, or, or whatever the case was, but, you know, well aware of like how she would respond to these questions. So I'm not, I know she wasn't being untruthful, but sure. something was like a question about something like, you know, in the last like six hours, some small frame of time, have you felt sad or cried? something else is like please don't check yes because i know what that's gonna mean and i'm not like of course i of course i felt that way like i just had my first child but you know for starters that was a very very basic generic question and bland but how many times do people don't have that awareness like she did and me understanding that she's not getting like if she if she really felt that way and she needed help she would, but how many people are just kind of like, okay, well, I'll just fill this out and get on. Just like the hospital is like, just can you fill this out and get on? But really, they're going home, like you said, in this panic state of mind that it's like, oh my gosh, like I don't have a manual. They gave me a manual with nothing on the pages, you know? How many times that's they're going home and just really did need more support and we just kind of left it to, to be what it is? I don't know, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, it's really interesting. First of all, I'm sorry that they didn't ask after this. 
you know, because I think they did. I just don't remember that specific type of paper. And maybe she filled it out because it was all part of one. And so sure. knew it. I'm sure they did. But it was not so like in my head, maybe, you know, because it's the second time around. I don't know. But it like I was very aware of everything with our sign because it was all new. Absolutely. Even I looked at that question in the whole form like this is ridiculous. Like this is your this is your making sure that like postpartum wise, like mental health wise, like this the mother is yeah. okay. Like, you know, but and forget the fact that like dad's dad's gonna be like, you know, not so great maybe later on. You know, it's like really? done. So no, it was very interesting. And and you know, it first of all, I am grateful that that hospitals are starting to ask. They are, because yeah. it is progress in that it was never, it wasn't, you know, historically it wasn't even a part of the discharge. Right, process. right. So I am grateful that we're starting the conversation and that hospitals are asking. You know, there are definitely different tools and measures that, you know, different, you know, institutions are using and some of them are yeah. better than others. You know, it's also so hard and difficult because like you said, to ask the questions but do nothing with it is, is devastating. Right. And for it to feel like it's not something that I'm actually listening. But like you said, can you just check off this requirement for me so I can, you know, discharge and file my paperwork? It is much harder. You know, it's also really hard. I I think what's so hard about illnesses in the postpartum period or being able to detect them is that there are certain symptomatology that overlap. Right. And how do we differentiate? Like your, your wife was indicating, right? What's the normal emotional release or upheaval or change or just fluctuations that happen because hi i just had a baby yeah versus something that crosses that threshold into more consuming right you know and and it's hard because what we see is you know for example you know usually within two to three days after having a baby and lasting for two to three weeks that's actually the time period of what we call the baby blues and you know baby blues is that just the change, the fluctuation, the recalibrating of your brain. Women will tell you, you know, I just, I don't feel grounded or centered. I, I kind of feel all over the place. Little things seem to be getting big reactions, or I feel like I'm crying at the drop of a hat. And that's normal. Upward of 80% of women will experience a baby blues, yeah. right? And anything that 80% of that the population is experiencing, right? <laughs> and this was massive, right? Yeah. And it was massive emotionally. It was massive physically. It, it's just yeah. a big deal. And so it would be nice if the hospital did more than ask a few questions and send home some actual literature and information, especially knowing that there's that difference between that, that right. and, you know, after that. And so something that I do a lot is work with OBs, obstetricians, and midwives and pediatricians to really keep that conversation going because... Oh, you just start from the hospital and pretty much that's it. And, you know, there are OBs that they'll even say, I have this wonderful OB in LA who came to me and said, I want to do a class in my office because I see my, my patients at six weeks. And he's like, it's a fast visit. And then yeah. that's it. And it's like, we're not supposed to have more contact. I've had yeah. to to them through the entire pregnancy. And then I see them one, six weeks, and then I'm out. They've yeah. had my number, you know, throughout pregnancy. Right, right, yeah. Know that they can use it postpartum. He's like, no, that's not okay. Yeah. And so it's really working with the obstetricians and the midwives and then the pediatricians more than anything because you're going to see that pediatrician two weeks, four weeks, you know, some are six yeah. weeks, you know, definitely yeah. starting once a month. And for them to be the ones that are continuing to ask yeah. and where you also know that they're, you know, not like, and again, our, our nurses in the hospitals, they work hard. They have a lot to yeah. do. 
They're not asking as they're walking out that front door, right? right. The pediatrician who's sitting down and talking and let's talk about your baby and let's talk about you. Right. Really helpful. I'm always a, a big proponent that a great pediatrician recognizes that, you know, the birthing and non-birthing partners, moms, dads, whoever, are just as much the patient as the baby. As the, yeah. And so if you, if they understand that, great, we can work together. Yeah. You're kind of not really entertaining or listening and supporting what I'm needing as a yeah. parent. You're not the right guy for me. Yeah. <laughs> and and we, I mean, you see that too a lot. You're right. I mean, it's a quick conversation, you know, like 15 minutes at best. And it's focusing on, you know, that form is all about whatever milestones. And there's another, yes, you want to see those things, but it's like, there's another added like weight and pressure, like mentally for, you know, parents all together, like, hmm they're not doing this yet. Like, what does that mean? You know, and nobody, you're right. I mean, nobody sits to explain. Nobody has the time to sit and explain, but you know, you left them with this, but yes, their vitals are good. And you know, like they look great, you know, but it's like, hold on. Like this was, how do I do this? How do I go home and do that? And then you, you know, you're stuck down a rabbit hole. This is how I did it with my kid. Yours should work too, you know? And no, Right. And, you know, I did a class last week at an OB's office and it was, it was, you know, pretty much three hours just talking about preparing for postpartum. And and most of the feedback was great. This was informative, things I didn't think about. But it was so interesting to me because there was one person who said, too much, too fast, and I needed it more simple. And it really just occurred to me, like, how deep the need really is. Yeah. You know, that here we're kind of, you know, doing as much as we can in that time. And she's like, no, I need more. I need yeah. more. I need it simpler. I need more information and more examples because, you know, I don't have this coming from any place else. Yeah. And so, Debbie, uh, thank you for starting the conversation. Thank you for, <laughs> for highlighting this for everyone. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, I mean, like I said, it's something that resonates with me anyway. Just, it's important. It's important as a family, anyway, like, you know, to talk about things and, you can see it already. I mean, like, and I didn't know this until the other day. Mom, mom is the director of the school that my son goes to. So that helps to ask a different like set of questions or to get it in not so fast way. My, our son on the way to school randomly. Hey, dad, daddy, what, what, what does daddy do when he feels sad? And I'm driving. I'm like, Whoa. Uh, what? <laughs> but we talk about like that hurt. Oh, my, love- that hurt daddy's feelings. That hurt mom's feelings. Like, Daddy feels, you know, and not that I'm going to like constantly tell him like, you know, dad feels sadly, like it's not that, but he is hearing though. Lo and behold, they did have a conversation about emotions at school, but he took that to a whole nother level. But the long before all that, like it, you see it and it's like, how are we not having that conversation? This podcast, What's Your Story is hosted and produced and edited by me, JD. Special thanks today to Dr. Alyssa Berlin for taking the time to share her story with us in an effort to bring the stories of so many new parents out there to one of joy and happiness. The Storyteller Project produces an audience-supported publication with a stellar podcast, stories that connect and heal us as human beings, and well-researched articles on challenging but crucial mental health topics. If you love our work, please consider joining our community of curious minds and venture into a broader realm of human connectedness. To do so, head over to fragilemoments.substack.com to learn more about this storytelling project. If there's something that resonated with you in today's episode, let me know by sending me an email at jd at fragilemoments.org or tag at StorySharingPod on Instagram and threads. 
As always, thanks for choosing to listen. And I look forward to hearing your story one day. Because we all have within us a story to tell. A song. Get unsung.